be advised, this broadcast may be considered treasonous on most parliament worlds. You are listening to the sound of the bear's crow. If you are receiving this signal, be warned. It is highly dangerous. You, in order to fully subscribe to the signal, you will need to do so through a randomized feed, RSS, randomized security signal. You are warned to clear your Cortex cache before continuing. It is best to listen to this through an anonymous redirector. Greetings, free thinkers, imagineers, and other inventive and creative minds. You're listening to the Bears Grove podcast, this time with a more science fiction bent, just to keep you on your toes. My name is Sam Chupp, your guy here at the Bears Grove Secret Outpost, helping keep the verse safe against those who would drain the life out of creative and meaningful stories and games everywhere. You might think, given my regular intros, that we're primarily a fantasy gaming podcast, but this intro serves to show that we're not all just about fantasy. We are about fine storytelling and role-playing games based on any genre, from fantasy to science fiction to horror. In our segments this week, we have the Kids' Corner, where we'll talk about some of the more technical aspects of having kids participate in a game. In our Storyteller's Circle, we'll talk about story arcs and how to use them. In our Romance and Gaming segment, we'll discuss how you can craft a special role-playing experience with your significant other. And finally, in our special Science Fiction section, we'll talk a little about Science Fiction role-playing and give you some hints as to how to run a successful sci-fi RPG. But first, the bears growl. There's nothing more annoying than people playing the cool card. More coolio than thou is what I call it. People who hold themselves aloof and think themselves the cool kids on the block make me think of high school. And thinking about high school gives me hives. What can I say? My high school experience was less than satisfactory. Suffice to say I was a geek, and I believe I wore a blinking I am a geek sign 24-7. I was treated accordingly. It was not happy. In fact, I had no idea how much the whole toxic high school crap had gotten to me. You know, cool kids making fun of geek kids. Until I had made it to the University of Georgia, and I realized that a lot of folks liked role-playing games. They enjoyed them. They thought I was cool. I realized then that the moment I had graduated, all that utter crap in high school had ceased to mean anything at all. I'm not putting myself above other people or putting down folks just because it's fashionable. The way I see it, nobody's perfect. That includes me. You see, I don't want you to think that I'm here placing my opinions and ideas over anyone else's. I figure I'm just another voice, just another set of ideas and opinions to listen to. 
I don't mean to speak as if I'm the end-all, be-all. I am very flattered when people think that I'm cool and that what I have to say is cool, but I don't require that everybody think that way. In fact, admitting you're wrong or that you didn't do so hot means that you can get better in the future. I don't want to lock myself out of that. Being a geek didn't used to be cool, but it is now. Still, I think it behooves most of us geeks to remember what it used to be like and to never, ever go back there again. This growl isn't directed at anyone in particular. It's just the result of a mashup of observations I've had in my life recently. Next up, we have the Kids' Corner. In the Kids' Corner today, we're going to talk about the technical aspects of getting a group of children together to play. It's not an easy thing, rather like being a cat shepherd, but it is rewarding. With kids 7 to 12, it's sometimes a good idea to give them some time to run around and scream and holler before they sit down to a game. And though it seems counterintuitive to adults who love their sweets, it may be not very wise to provide sugary snacks before the game. Otherwise, you might get a raging case of the sillies as the kid's blood sugar ramps up and down. It's important to have a gaming area that's out of eyesight of any screen. Computer, video, TV, video game. It's important also that there not be a lot of other distractions. I've noticed that many a game session goes to heck in a handbasket the moment Yu-Gi-Oh! or Pokemon or Magic the Gathering cards are pulled out. Like I've said in previous podcasts, it's important that each child player feel as though they can participate. So seat them in a way so that they can all see you and interact with you well. If the kids have a problem being heard, you can always implement a one-person-can-talk-at-a-time rule by providing them with a talking stick, an item that symbolizes who gets to talk. Give the kids a definite time limit, and let them know how much time they have left until the end of the game. This will keep them focused in the here and now. If they don't have that kind of cue, their minds may start to wonder. Speaking of bored kids, you definitely don't want to promote boredom by spending time flipping through rule books or conducting long, drawn-out fight scenes. You want something that will be exciting, move smoothly, and keep the action going. Finally, remember that sometimes kids just get out of hand. It may be necessary for you to stop the game, or ask one kid to leave it. Make sure that you arrange another place the child can get away to cool off so they can have a chance to re-enter things should they get goofy or belligerent. I moderate a very interesting email list on Yahoo Groups called the Kids RPG List. And if you'd like to interact with other adults who are running games for kids, I encourage you to visit the website in the show notes and join us. That's it for the Kids Corner today. Next up, we have the Storyteller Circle.
The Storyteller Circle today is about story arcs. Beginnings, middles, and ends. But I'd like to start with the ends. It might seem strange to you to talk about a game ending. Many people never have their games end. Their D&D game just keeps on going and going until everybody gets bored of it, or everybody moves away, or everybody becomes parents. And that's a valid way to play, but I think that you can have a much more meaningful story and a much deeper experience by letting your players know that you use story arcs. Stories that have a beginning, middle, and an end. This requires a little extra work on your part. You have to first begin with an ending point in mind. Never mind that it will probably never survive contact with the actual game play. At least have some concept of where you want to be when the story is over. For example, let's say you want to do a story about an evil government being brought down. You can postulate that the end of the story will be about six months after they are brought down, or if the opposition is destroyed, you can have two branching endpoints. So that's your end. Then you go and build everything else on that. Now this is not to say that everything has to run on rails. You don't want to make the players feel they're having to follow some kind of script. But you do want to make sure that the players have the feeling that the story is all going somewhere. That the little tidbits of big story that you throw them will eventually all come out to mean something. Don't be worried that you'll stop gaming altogether when you get to the end. A lot of people fear that, but in reality, it's just a great time to take a brief break from gaming for a week or so, and then start in on another new story. Now let's talk about the beginning. It, it is fairly simple to come up with a hundred different beginnings to stories. However, coming up with the right beginning is quite an art. Obviously, people who are playing a game like to get into play as soon as possible. Some RPGs, like Mage the Ascension, actually ask you to roleplay a prelude-style session to introduce each character. But sometimes it is essential that a character wait until some of the story has been told before they join. Think about Han Solo in Star Wars. He gets into the story after the whole first reel of the movie. What if Han had been a player character? He would have had to wait to enter the game. But I think the player would appreciate the situation. It all depends on what your players can handle. The conceit of why your characters all stay together is what I call the premise of your game. Whatever you do, please don't just say you all meet in a bar and decide to trust each other with your lives and share all information and resources from here on. You can do better than that. Consider these ideas for premises. All the players are members of a mercenary unit who have to trust each other as part of the job. The PCs are old friends from college and have just now been reunited. The PCs are protégés of older, more experienced characters who were themselves close comrades at a time. 
the PCs are, however distantly, somehow related to each other. The PCs are heirs to land left to them by some mutual friend or relative, so they must learn to work together in order to keep that land. The PCs are all under a curse which makes it beneficial for them to stick together. The PCs have all been chosen by a mysterious force or spirit, and said mysterious agent is manipulating them to get to know each other and work toward common cause. The PCs are all part of a secret organization whose stated goal is to work together for the betterment of others. I'm sure you can come up with interesting and unique ones yourselves. Finally, we have the middle of the story. The middle is the toughest part of the three. All the advice I can give you is to be extra careful how much information you let come out and when. You should err on the side of being too subtle. Dropping clues week to week and making other people wonder is what you'll have to do. Give them hints, foreshadowing, prophecies, and predictions. Just don't give away the whole plot until you absolutely must. And even then, you should leave room for there to be something hidden and secret. That's just the way a good storyteller works. Next week, we'll talk about the importance of non-player characters and internal consistency to your story. But first, we have this. Hi, this is Mer Lafferty from Geek Fu Action Grip, here to tell you about my new podcast. I've had over 25 rejections in four years of writing experience. I'm a freelance writer with several publications to my name, but no fiction. I've learned a lot in these four years. How to submit a story, how to handle rejection, and what constitutes a good rejection letter. And there really is such a thing. I'm currently working on my first novel while continuing to collect rejections for my short stories. I should be writing as a podcast dedicated to you, the wannabe writer. From me, the wannabe writer. I have no magical publishing bullet to help you, because you know if I had one, I'd be using it. But I've made some mistakes that I've learned from and would like to tell you about them. If you think I'm wasting your time giving advice when I can't get anything published either, I'll be interviewing an honest-to-goodness published author every fifth podcast to make sure I'm not talking out of an orifice other than my mouth. Check out the show at shouldwrite.blogspot.com. Listen to I Should Be Writing, because you should be writing. Thanks, Mur, for that, and I love this podcast, I Should Be Writing, and every time I listen to it, it makes me want to stop the truck and write immediately, and uh, that's not exactly very productive, but it definitely gives me inspiration and, and hope and support, so I really want everybody who's a writer to really know about this and enjoy it. Next up, we have my romance and gaming section. In today's romance and role-playing, I have the first of three segments 
on what I call R3, Romantic Relationship Role-Playing. The first segment will give you some idea of what R3 is, the second will tell you the nuts and bolts of how to go about it, and the third will give you some ideas of material to draw from in order to keep your R3 game interesting and fresh. First of all, I'd like to say that this podcast definitely is PG-13, so we won't be going into the more intimate details of R3. We may have a special adults-only cast at one point, but that day is not today. To start our first segment on R3, I want to give you a good definition of what it is. As opposed to role-playing with a group of people, romantic relationship role-playing is, for the most part, a role-playing game that is one-on-one. And I say this even if you have a relationship style that accounts for you being in love with more than one person, because this kind of game is meant to be shared only by two people in order to provide a deeper connection and understanding between those two people. A R3 game is another form of intimate connection between two people who are in a romantic relationship together. The purpose of the game is to enjoy stepping outside of yourselves and relating as different people while still remaining the person you really are. The story and entertainment aspect of the game is important, but the deeper levels and context of the game are what really makes it a compelling relationship activity. Why would anyone do such a thing, you might be asking? Of what use would it be in a relationship? Isn't that just the geekiest thing you've ever thought of? Why can't you just relate in the real world like everybody else? Well, here's the deal. When you relate inside of a story together, you can step out of everyday life. Let's face it. Unless you live a pampered and wealthy life, everyday life is pretty much filled with stress, difficulty, and hard, cold reality. Such things are the death of true romance. You may be in a long-term relationship with someone, and the spark of romance that you once had when you first got together is now gone. You still love that person. You can't seem to reproduce that sweet feeling of dizzy affection you had when you first got together anymore. It's either your bills, or your mutual responsibilities, your job, or career, or family stress that causes you to focus more on the problems and the troubles than anything that is lovely and beautiful. Our three games take you out of that everyday world, and let you see your partner in a new light. They give you something to talk about outside of your everyday experience. It's like cable TV in a way, instead of having just the weather channel the news channel, and the financial channel, you can install a movie channel in your relationship. If you're interested in learning exactly how to do this, I invite you to come back next week and listen as I tell you how you can get started with your own romantic relationship role-playing game. Next we have our special segment on science fiction role-playing games. back in the 70s when the movie Star Wars first came out. When I first saw the movie, I was surprised to see something on the screen be so completely like the dreams and fantasies I had been pursuing ever since I was a small child. Science fiction has since become a major part of our culture, and one of the things that makes it so accessible is when it seems so immediate 
that it's easy to put yourself into the story and believe that you could be someone like that. Unlike fantasy role-playing, which allows for a certain amount of standardization and givens, a dragon is for the most part a dragon. A magic sword is just that, a magic sword. Science fiction isn't quite so cut and dried. It could be argued that science fiction role-playing boils down to a few subgenres: Space opera, exploration SF, Funk. military SF, and... Space opera, like Star Wars, is a grand and epic sweeping tale with sharply drawn heroes and heroines who bravely struggle against evil and tyranny. Exploration SF, like Star Trek, postulates an ongoing quest or search using technological or scientific means. Military SF typically involves soldiers of one stripe or another banding together to fight a common foe. Cyberpunk typically involves a near-future setting with a focus on cybernetic enhancement and technology. I remember my first science fiction role-playing game, Traveler. I purchased an early edition of the game and was thrilled to be able to generate characters by figuring out what they'd done during their early lives and careers, whether they were in the Space Marines or the Space Navy or if they were on a merchant ship or whatever. But when I got a bunch of characters created and I sat down to play with my friends, I inevitably got to the so-now-what point. I realized later that the boxed set of Traveler was not really a game so much as it was a game framework. What I needed was a good setting, a tight plot hook, and a decent premise to keep my players together and interested. In a science fiction game, you need to provide the complete soup-to-nuts setting and context for the game, or you risk losing story focus and wandering all over the place. The role-playing game centered on Star Wars, first put out by West End Games, now put out by Wizards of the Coast, is pretty good about keeping you within the bounds of Star Wars canon, no matter what time period you're playing in. Another game, Fading Suns, is a very tightly designed and richly imagined setting by combining elements of fantasy with elements of science fiction, but restraining those elements through a setting that focuses on a kind of future dark ages. The game takes your expectations and shifts them for you in unexpected ways. The game rivals the complexity of the works of Frank Herbert in an immense, immersive narrative structure. What do these games have in common? Like all good stories, they have a strict narrative setting with elements that can be understood and accepted by the people playing in them. When the Celestial Church's Inquisition comes to a planet to cleanse it of all evil technology and fading suns, you can visualize instantly what that means and what trouble it may present to player characters. When the Empire of Star Wars sends TIE Fighters to bomb your hidden rebel base, the players instantly understand what that means. It is important to stay within the tightly restricted lines of these games, though, or you may soon wander out of the setting and into something which is completely different and strange and therefore unfamiliar. What if you had the Celestial Church show up in a Star Wars game? Or have the Death Star show up in your Fading Suns game? These ideas may be interesting from a what-if point of view, but they will cause dissonance within the structure which has been carefully constructed for you. 
that may be okay if your players have agreed to it prior to the game, but if not, they may be suitably unimpressed with you. The science fiction setting I'm most enamored with these days is the Firefly Serenity setting, created by Joss Whedon, and recently released as an RPG by Tracy Hickman and Margaret Weiss. I haven't read the game yet, but I looked at it at DragonCon, and it looks very pretty. Still, the setting by itself is compelling enough to make me want to play. Firefly is a great example of a good setting with a great plot hook and interesting character premise. Every episode of Firefly revolves around holding the crew together through interlocking motivations while they struggle to keep Serenity flying. Everybody understands what a motivating force freedom can be. The fact that the technology is more within range of the truth is also a factor that keeps Firefly fresh and interesting. I encourage you to learn more by going out and seeing the movie Serenity and picking up the DVDs of Firefly. Well, you've come to the end of another episode of the Bears Grove Podcast. I appreciate you listening to me today, and I invite you to give me your feedback. You can do that by emailing me at bearsgrove at gmail.com or by calling the Bears Grove voicemail line at 206-888-BEAR or 2327 if you can't dial the alphabet very well. Understand that if you call the listener comment line, you're more than likely going to be put on my show, so let me know if you'd rather not. The Bears Grove is brought to you by the Castle Caritas Studio, broadcast from a secret location somewhere in the verse. It is presented for your pleasure under a Creative Commons 2.5 license. Attribution, no derivatives, no commercial use. Our music today has been the following from the Podsafe Music Network. For our intro, I used Elements of the Paw by Sublevel 03. For the Kids Corner, I used The Dudes in the Car by Vincent Van Gogo. For the Storyteller Circle, I used Triumph by Mark Hymonen. For our Romance and Role-Playing segment, I used Did You Think by Adrena Thorpe. For our Science Fiction special segment, I used the song Where She Wept by Octobris. And finally, I'd like to leave you by playing a song that gives me a Firefly Serenity Geekgasm. Mal's Song by per- Permission from the Filk Group Escape Key. Until we meet again, sweet dreams when you get them. When the stars shine bright through the engine's trail And the dust of another world drops behind When my ship is free of the open sky It's a damn good day to my way of mind there's a barren planet you never can leave There's a rocky valley where we lost a war There's a cross once hung around a soldier's neck There's a man's faith died on serenity's floor But I stood my ground and I'll fly once more It's the last oath that I ever swore So take my life, take my life
Come in. 